Zach and Jamir. My name is Jamir Wilson, and I'm co-hosted by Zach Wright. Today, the name of the game is The Lockdown. Over the past year and some change now, the world has battled a pandemic that was unforeseen. COVID-19 took over headlines and began to shut down many operations and send a lot of businesses into a virtual platform. It also claimed the lives of 2.66 million people worldwide and devastated the U.S. where the NBA and WNBA reside. Unemployment spiked at an alarming rate due to business shutdowns and companies going completely out of business due to a lack of work. The NBA shutdown took place on March 11th, 2020, when it was discovered the Utah Jazz All-Star Center Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. The league canceled a few games that night and made it clear that the NBA season was going to be paused indefinitely. But after a few months of waiting, the NBA and WNBA returned in a bubble format to keep the safety at an all-time high and ensure that there would be no hiccups on the road to championships in both leagues. Both bubbles were great and provided signature moments that we will never forget. But more importantly, both the, the NBA and WNBA took a stand for justice unlike never before. The ruthless and disturbing murder of George Floyd and countless others sent shockwaves throughout the world and protests took the world by storm. A push for change and a call to vote was a constant topic of discussion. With all that took place, we now have some time to reflect. So, Zach, where were you when COVID-19 shut the league down? Um, before I start, I just want to just talk about the irony of Rudy Gobert touching all them mics when he had COVID that whole time. It was like really like some South Park shit. Like I just thought that was hilarious. But anyway. Classic. Absolutely classic. <laughs> Idiot. Foolishness. But uh, when they shut the league down, you know, I was home on what was supposed to be spring break, which, you know, turned into a never-ending uh, stay at home. But, yeah, so I was at home on spring break. I was planning to watch the Pelicans-Kings game. You know, I, I messed with Zion heavy. And I like the Kings a lot. Like, you know, I messed with De'Aaron De De Fox and all them. So that was the game I was more interested in. But, you know, that game got postponed as well. So I didn't end up watching that. And then, as you know, everything got shut down. And then you just struggle. It was a struggle to, like, get your basketball fix. Like, I remember they were – they televised some random horse game where, like, everyone was, like, on Zoom playing horse on, like, their little front yard basketball hoops. It was just – People were just doing anything to watch games. I remember what one thing that helped me get through, like trying to find games and shit, was like I was watching the, the little hashtag NBA Together thing they're doing on YouTube, just watching a bunch of classic games. Um, they were hosting on that, and then you know I was just listening to a lot of basketball podcasts. I was I'd been listening to them before, but I definitely started listening to a lot more. Uh, you know, shout to Ola Smoke. Definitely, that's when I learned about Ola Smoke during the pandemic. That definitely was one of my favorite ones. That's still keep up to keep up with to this day. Yeah, Jameer, how about you? What were you uh, doing on D-Day? <laughs> D-Day, wow. Um, it felt like it. Um, so um, it's funny because before that night, it didn't feel like 
we were actually battling a pandemic because I heard little hit like little things here and there about like school shutting down and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, people are really taking this serious. And I didn't because I didn't understand the severity of it. But that night alone, it just felt like the world really began to come crashing down because uh, I was actually watching. I was about to watch. Uh, the OKC and Utah game that night with uh, my girlfriend, Kiana. And uh, they announced that that game was canceled. Um, and then uh, Dallas and Denver were playing that night. And I've, I still remember the look on Mark Cuban's face when he found out the league was being shut down. He was just stunned. Um, and uh, I think the Knicks and Hawks were playing that night as well. Uh, I seen a little, little, uh, little bit of that. Um, so that was very, that was just a very interesting night. And then at the same time that night, also, we found out that I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Hanks announced that he had COVID. And also Donald Trump, at the, who was the president at the time, uh, he was uh, instating a ban, like a travel ban. So it just, all that night, I'm just like, wow, like, oh, this is real. Like, this is a, a serious thing. Because mm-hmm. I heard little stuff before. But yeah, and then when and then when we talk about like our fit, like getting the basketball fix and stuff like that, uh, I agree with you. Like, um, no football season is over; it already canceled March Madness, and just not being able to watch any basketball uh, it, it kind of sucked. Because uh, like uh, playing two K was cool, but it's like it's not the same thing. Yeah. And, um, I, I agree with you, like watching, watching old games or watching some of my favorite games, like uh, the Heat and the Spurs in game six when Ray Allen hit the big shot. That was one of my favorite games that I rewatched. I watched uh, game seven of the 73 and nine Warriors in the Cavs. Yeah, and that was that was awesome to watch. Just watching some throwback games, even going as far back as the game seven of San Antonio and Detroit when they played in the finals uh so like many years ago and uh just just watching games like that and watching first take i think that kind of got me through until the bubble finally came around and i think that's a perfect segue into our next topic there were many there were many classic moments that took place in a bubble and the bubble was an atmosphere unlike we had ever seen. Uh, how do you, how do you feel? How did you feel the bubble went? And my other question to you would be, do you think they should do a bubble format again, at least for the playoffs this year? I'll answer your second question first. Should they do another bubble format? Maybe. It would make sense, like in the playoffs, because like, at the end of the day, that's like a lot, a lot to ask of the players to do that kind of thing all over again. Players, coaches, refs, like they're literally trapped in a place without their families and friends for months on end. So you know, I don't expect, I wouldn't expect anyone to want to do that again. However, I do think it makes sense for like a playoff format, or at least, I think what they should do, honestly. Because, you know, everyone's talking about you going, like, 1 through 16 in, t- in terms of, like, who makes the playoffs. And I feel like that's a that's something people have been talking about, but a big uh, 
pushback against it was like the travel and all that would just be insane. So I feel like with the play, the bubble, they can actually experiment with that and just take the, the best 16 teams and put them in that situation and then have them just, you know, duke it out for the championship there. So I feel like if they do implement the bubble, that's how they should do it and use it as a way to experiment the, having the actual best 16 teams. Because, you know, for the last, like, 20 years, <laughs> it just seems like you have the the 10 of the, the ten of the best teams in the league are all in the West. You have six teams in the East that are actually solid, and you have two scrubs who make it for whatever reason. So I feel like using that format to actually get the best 16 is, like, I feel like the bubble, that bubble type of situation is the only way to do that. You know, even if they like, you know, we get to the point where they let fans in and stuff, just having that, you know, that that college or that stadium basically for like all the NBA games and that one, you know, in the playoffs would be the way to do that. So I think if they do bring the bubble back, it should be that. Because at this point, the chance to bring the bubble back has passed. Like the players, like I said, the players clearly didn't want to do that. Coaches didn't want to do that. So using it to, you know, run a season is just not going to happen. But I think you, they can use it to experiment with that one through 16 format. And then what I felt about the bubble when it happened definitely was the most entertaining basketball for me since the 2017 Celtics. I think a lot, a large part of that was just like, like, you know, like we said, trying to get your basketball fix, dying to watch some basketball. And then we'll talk about the WNBA in a bit too, but, you know, I was watching them. But when uh, the NBA bubble came back, you know, I was definitely excited for that. So I thought they were going to come back scrubby as hell. Everyone's going to be missing layups, missing all sorts of all sorts of shit because, you know, they haven't been hooping for months, some of them. But, yeah, I was very invested. It was a much welcome return. And I think TJ Warren going off was my favorite unexpected fold. You know, shout out to Jimmy Butler going crazy, getting the, putting respect on his name. Shout out to Dame carrying his team to AC to get washed. You know, shout out to Devin Booker. <laughs> leading the sunset, you know, that, that iconic uh, game winner over Paul George. But, yeah, this is some of the many amazing moments in the bubble. And how about you, Jameer? Yeah, nah, nah. Cancun and three had, had, was one of my favorite moments alone. <laughs> <laughs> that beef between the Clippers and the Blazers is just epic. I love it. Uh, when, they, when, when they missed the game when it free throws with uh I think I think Kawhi and Paul George were out. And he missed a couple of uh at least game time free throws, if I'm not mistaken. And then it was Twitter beef back and forth. And then when the the Nuggets made their second three one comeback, which was also amazing mm-hmm. uh, to see. Like yeah, the bubble, uh I, I agree with you in a sense of I like the idea of testing the one through 16 format in that setting, because I feel like that would be the best way to do it because you would, you would heighten the safety again in that situation. But otherwise I don't see a point of a bubble because I think at this point, like they've already done a decent enough job. I feel like, like, yeah, it's been a weird season, you know, just dealing, like trying to control COVID and you've got contract uh, contact tracing issues like you know the all-star game Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons couldn't play because their barber had COVID and uh, just other instances of weird COVID related situations uh they but for the, like other than that the most for the most part they've done a really good job and like 
as you said, also, I'm sure it was very emotionally uh, taxing for the players, the coaches, and so on to be in a, a room and then go play games and then come back to the room and then practice and then go play games again. You know, like I, I think, like, I do think if they had a bubble, they could, they could probably loosen some of the restrictions and allow family members in earlier. Um, I think they could do that to offset some of the concerns that the players have. And I think really, I, th- I think the coaches, I, I think they got the, the shortest end of the stick because they, they had to wait for so long to see their families as opposed to referees and officials being able to see family members and, and players getting to see the, their uh, loved ones first. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I think it was, it was, you know, it was, it was tough. It was incredibly tough and arguably one of the most difficult championships uh, ever in terms of just the emotions that, that were put into having to go through this, this bubble. Uh, And yes, again, when you talk about just the quality of basketball, like I agree at first, I didn't really, I didn't expect much because I knew this was basically like them playing pretty like the first eight games were like preseason games basically because mm-hmm. they were they were all getting their legs back like you know everybody has done their own working out but because of covid restrictions most play most of those guys probably weren't playing together as often as they should have so the chemistry might have been off and so on because they hadn't played in months so yeah like they spent a whole pretty much a whole summer not playing uh in like that like the moments like the quality of basketball once everybody really got started to get their legs under them like uh, seeing donovan mitchell and jamal murray going 50 for 50 just battling each other that was epic um the joker showing just how dominant he can be of mm-hmm. uh, jason tatum I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that was really like their coming out party. Um, at least in the first couple rounds, they they had a coming out party in the playoffs last year and so on. So I, I think just and, – and even Luka Doncic as well, showing just how dominant and how unguardable he is and how much uh, he can make players play better and stuff. So I think – it just, it was so it was so fascinating to watch and so entertaining and even the the beginning stages and the introduction of this new playing format that they have which i think also will help um determine the best teams because as you were saying like there's like at least 10 teams in the west usually that are good and deserving of getting playoff spots but with the playing format i think that kind of offsets that mm-hmm the new playoff format now where you've got 10 teams and there's playing games beforehand. So I think that helps out with that. When we talk about a bubble, I I think a part of the emotion that really took a strain on the players too, was the social justice element. Because it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the not seeing family members and you being locked down in a room and things of that nature. But I think, it was 
the ongoing protests that were going on at that point. And I think, you know, that's a perfect segue into what we want to talk about next in terms of not just the NBA, but the WNBA as well. Because um, even when we talk about the WNBA, the WNBA was very entertaining. Yeah, um, ultimately, the WNBA and the NBA taking a stand and fighting for something greater than themselves and fighting for a cause that uh, African-Americans have been fighting for forever is something that was great to see. You got people taking knees, you got people wearing shirts and, and protesting. Um, the Bucks boycott, shout out to the Bucks. That was, that was epic. And uh, that was another like iconic moment. Like there was so many iconic moments. That was just another one. Because right. you never would have thought that, you know, usually if a game is stopped, it's because of a league thing. But the, the Bucks decided as a team that they weren't playing. And I think that spoke volumes, especially because other teams stood up with them and also didn't play. Yeah, I think we should definitely start talking about the WNBA a little more. Um, you know, like I feel like they were the real MVPs with the social justice stuff. Like they actually had Breonna Taylor's name on the jerseys rather rather than like the NBA with those uh, inconspicuous or cliche slogans. I thought that was mad corny. I did not like how they did that. And then when Jimmy Butler tried to take his name off, you know, the NBA didn't like that because, you know, it was like they wanted to sell the product that is Jimmy Butler or whatever. So I just thought that was mad corny. But, yeah, the WNBA, you know, they definitely made big moves on the social justice front. And they, they helped – get Senator Warnock elected, which is, you know, that just goes to show, like, you know, how much impact they were having with the social justice movement going on during that time period. And that's still going on, to be honest. Yeah, and also the WNBA uh, bubble did start before the NBAs. And so I, I was definitely watching those games when they came out or when they came back, just because, you know, I was trying to get that basketball fix. And I definitely was enjoying it, became a much bigger fan of WNBA. And, like, you know, shout out to AJ Wilson, Crystal Dangerfield, and Alyssa Thomas. Those are my favorites right now. But, yeah, and viewership also went up 60% for the 2019 season. And that goes to show that if you put the WNBA games on TV, people actually watch them. I know me personally, cause, you know, the season started while I was in PA, but I ended up moving to Baltimore. And I didn't have cable in Baltimore. So trying to watch the WNBA game while I was in Baltimore was so difficult because. You know, the dub, with the NBA, you know, we, we're streaming that shit illegally. Let's be honest. People are streaming it illegally. And I just thought was, that just made me think, too, like, about, like, the conservatives talking about uh, the ratings going down because of the social justice movement. Like, honestly, the ratings are going down because we're streaming it illegally because we don't have cable anymore. But, you know, that's just a, that's just an aside. I thought that was very funny how people were trying to use, uh, you know, the death of pe people caring about the death of others as a way to say, like, oh, you need to worry about your money instead of, you know, this and that. But yeah, anyway, the WNBA, WNBA getting on TV definitely, you know, allow people to actually see what their games are about, how the game's played in that league and all that. And, you know, I feel like I'm going to be more engaged in the WNBA from now on. And I feel like there's a lot of people who can say that. You know, shout out to them for what they did with the social justice stuff. They definitely, like the NBA got a lot of the, um, the credit and the praise, but WNBA definitely did a much better job than the NBA, I have to say, in the social in regards to social justice. 
they're much more together than the NBA. And yeah, you know, shout out to them. Appreciate what they did. How about you, Jameer? Anything you want to say? Yeah, I agree, I, agree, I agree with that in terms of the togetherness aspect. I think the WNBA, like the, the NBA, they had to have a lot of backdoor meetings and had to really figure things out. Like, I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of meetings that took place. I think that the the issue was that, I mean, there's such big egos in the NBA and that they like, there was, there was some discrepancies between what people wanted to do here and there. And I agree also that the the like the the jerseys they were okay I guess but I thought it was stupid I'm sorry it was it was it was it was like it was kind of random and it didn't I don't know I didn't feel like it meant much I mean it didn't have nearly as much of an impact in my mind as putting Brianna Taylor on the jerseys because right. I felt like that was very important and I felt like that was very a very good symbol. Mm-hmm. The WNBA, uh, shout out to the Seattle Storm, the champs. And it's funny, too, because one of my favorite players, um, uh, Liz Cambage, mm-hmm. uh, she hasn't even – she didn't even play last season. Uh, she was there. The Aces would have won. That's the Aces on my team. Yeah. <laughs> she was there. They would have won. Yeah, yeah, right. The Aces – yeah, the Aces got there with Asia Wilson. As, as dominant as Asia, Asia Wilson was, Asia Wilson wasn't enough. But I think yeah, with Liz, they probably would have won it all because mm-hmm. Liz is Liz is is fire. Yeah, she's tough. So, so yeah, like I, I I see I see Liz on Instagram all the time doing post moves better than <laughs> a lot of NBA players I see. To be quite honest with you, her po- her her pro like her post her post game, her high post game, and just her overall versatility as a basketball player is outstanding. Very so. Good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think that that would be fun to see next year. Right. Um, yeah. Um, well, real quick, though, what was your favorite? Or what was your what was the worst NBA uh, jersey thing for you? Uh, in terms of in terms of what? Like the social justice uh, names they put on the back. What was the, which which one was the worst one to you? I need to know. Like for you, for me, it was education. I was like, I just thought that was just, like just the word educate. Education is important, but like just putting the word education on the back of the jersey, I thought that was so stupid. <laughs> like I'm sorry, bro. Like, what is that? Uh, yeah, I yeah. Is 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 mad? Like I wouldn't say that is negative, but I feel like it's random. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it's very random. Uh. I'll give a quick shout out. One, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one thing I do like before what I get into the one I didn't like. I guess um, the one I did like was um, I, I did I did like when uh, players from other countries use different word like words from their native languages yeah, I like on their jerseys. I love that. I thought that was cool mm-hmm. because that that symbolizes a united front, regardless of the origin and background of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my least favorite. I, I, I guess I'll say my thing. My thing was I. I don't have a specific word that I would say. I think what I didn't like was when people like. Ironically, I'm. I'm. I'm it's, it's funny that we're going to mention his name, but 
this knucklehead Miles Leonard. Miles Leonard, yeah. <laughs> Miles Leonard, when he decided, like, I'm not sure if he put anything on his jersey, but when players didn't put things on their jersey and when they're not kneeling and stuff like that, like, as you said, the WNBA had a better united front. and They, they, had, they had a complete front mm-hmm. where you had certain players like Jonathan Isaac um, not kneeling, and then it's just like, well, are we united? Is this something that is important? Is this something that we all should shed light on? And then the thing is, like, you know, after the games and all that stuff, you know, there would be questions asked about, well, why didn't you need this, that, and the third? And it's just like, like, really? Come on. Like, you know, if you if you feel anyway, if you feel some, some type of way about kneeling, you know, so be it. But the problem is, like, by you choosing to not not have solidarity with your brothers and doing the other the opposite act of standing for example you now become a martyr for like the people who are against social justice like Jonathan Isaac and Myers Leonard jerseys were going their sales went up crazy following them standing because you know these uh these people who are further troops blah 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 all that bullshit they definitely you know respected those players more because they weren't they chose not to kneel even if you feel like you know even if you're down with the cause and everything everyone's saying but you don't want to kneel by choosing not to do that, you're breaking solidarity, and now you're becoming a poster child for these people to use in their in their agenda. So I just thought that was very corny. You're right; that definitely was the most corny thing. But I don't know. Yeah. Some of the words on the jerseys was just like goofy. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask. <laughs> you about that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And, and overall, I, I I don't think that it had a negative impact. It wasn't yeah. negative, but just yeah, like. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it was random to some degree. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was was a bit random to some degree. And uh, I think in the future, would I want to see it? No. Like, I prefer nicknames on jerseys before those. My God. To be honest with you, but I, I, I I don't like. Yeah, I'm like, eh, you can, you can have it. I'm not really the biggest fan. Um, I think it would be more symbolic if they had, like, if they did, like, what the, the WNBA did with, like, having, like, George Floyd or uh, Ahmaud Arbery exactly. or someone else. Something we can remember. Right. <laughs> right. Something that's, that, something, something that holds more weight mm-hmm. in the, the social justice discussion. Yeah. And do um, you have anything else on that? Nah, I mean... I'm good on that. I could have a lot to say about that, but maybe sitting here for two hours on this episode. So I think it's a good time to you know talk about where we're at today with this situation. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think that really that last season, a lot of things like it, it just like seeing how COVID and then uh, the the killing of George Floyd, I think, was the one that that really set everything into motion and then just watching the dominoes fall and how the NBA season was impacted was just so interesting. It is was one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. And to have lived through it, uh it's gonna be something that if I, you know, want you know get older and have grandkids and stuff, I'll tell them about it. Because it was it was such a different time. Really? Like playing meaningful basketball in August and September 
you know, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and then and then and, and that transitioned into this season, which will feature seventy-two instead of the normal eighty-two games. Started right like a few days before Christmas, uh, and so far this season. We've had some hiccups, as we mentioned earlier, talking about Joel Embiid and Ben and Ben Simmons missing the All Star game due to COVID uh, uh, contact tracing. Uh, some things like other players being out, like the Heat, like Heat players being out. Um, you had Kevin Durant coming in and out of a game just because they were unaware of how to handle his COVID situation specifically. So it's been interesting, but where do you think we're at now? Like, how do you feel about where we are as far as the season, for the most part, being successful? And and especially the All-Star game, too, which a lot of people debated us having. I think since the All-Star game, we haven't really had any issues. So how how do you think about that so far? Um, I mean, like you said, it's overall been successful. I just think it's interesting how the players have to do all, go through all the, the – all that bubble stuff, and they're still somehow finding themselves in them situations via COVID. I mean, granted, I understand sometimes you're just, you know, going to the grocery store, you catch COVID, but like, you know, I'm not, I don't know what they're doing in their private time, but the fact that it's still like an issue is very interesting. Like you'd think some people would, uh, especially for the people, for the people who are like not being responsible, because with the amount of people in the NBA getting it, I'm sure there's some people who are being irresponsible COVID wise at this point. Like it keeps happening for months and months and months. Like, it's not just you don't just catch it by accident all the time, so or you just it's like accident all the time. But you don't just catch it being safe all the time. Like you know, following the proper procedures, you shouldn't. You know, you should be safe in general. So I do think overall, though, like you said, it's a success. Um, you know, they're about their money. They got they're gonna do what they gotta do. And like the only reason why uh, it's seventy two is because you know, like the Olympics or you know, everyone's expecting the Olympics to happen. So yeah, it's just all about the money, really. And I get it, I guess. You gotta, you know, there's the potential missing out on millions and millions of dollars and have their TV deals and all that. Just all the politics that go into it. But I'm watching, so I guess, does that make me a hypocrite? I don't think so. But because regardless, whether no matter what I think, they're still going to do it. So it is what it is. But it just, you know, I'm just hoping that they can get through the season without without any huge breakout or breakouts of COVID. Because definitely, like, you know, the NFL, like, things were getting dicey at one point, I remember, too. I'm not a big football person, but I do know it was, it was getting bad. And then, yeah, I'm just hoping that everything, that they can get through this season with every team playing at least 68 of the 72. Because I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a point where certain teams, like the Heat, and I think the Grizzlies missed a lot of games because of COVID. Just, like, it's going to be hard for those teams to uh, make up those games at some point. So, you know, I feel like that'll be – Interesting when you get towards the end of the season and playoffs, you need to be decided how they're going to be able to reschedule all those games because that will be there's, there's, there's going to happen. There's going to be teams who miss a certain amount of games because the playoff ha- playoffs have to start at a certain point if they want to make make the season finish in time for the Olympics. Yeah, I'm just curious as to how that's going to play out. Any any other thoughts for you? Yeah, I I I, I like in terms of the NFL. Uh, the difference between the NFL and the NBA is that the NBA is such a is so much like the season is so much longer because 
like I think that the late the, the season length is the biggest difference because when you're dealing with COVID, uh, if a player misses a game, there's only 16 games in a season. Yeah. So if you miss a game and you miss a week, that throws everything off. Where in the in the NBA, there's 70 plus. Like usually, there's 82 games in a season. And this season, you know, obviously, with you know, in a rare case, it's 72. But even then, COVID can't really je- like it, it doesn't jeopardize you unless you're missing like 10, 20 games. Mm-hmm. Where if you miss one game, you can make it up. And there are, I'm sure there are several contingencies that have already been taken into consideration because there's a lot more flexibility with an NBA season as opposed to an NFL season where you kind of have to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So it's, and then also there are a lot more players as well, where there's like 53 players, 53 plus players on a roster in the NFL Mm -hmm. versus like 15 on an NBA roster. Yeah. So there's just a lot more that can go wrong and a lot less room for error where in the NBA, there's a lot more room for error just on that note. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I suspect that this, the rest of the season, the rest of the season, excuse me, should take place without many hiccups. And I think uh, the NBA is, has been very progressive. Like they've always been ahead of the curve and been very progressive about everything they do. Like with their bubble format, um, the only other league I think who who uh, took on a bubble format was the NHL, and both leagues had virtually no hiccups throughout their bubble their bubbles, and they they've been pretty safe and pretty good with this COVID stuff. To be quite honest with you, especially considering um, how the world has been hit by it, and all the concerns that people have had, like. We shouldn't. We we should have just canceled last season. Like, I think I was one of the people who was saying we should have just canceled last season. But then when they had the bubble, it was really good, and uh, there were like virtually no COVID issues. Like you, you know, you'd have some cases where like Zion had to attend a funeral, and mm-hmm. you had uh, <laughs> lemon lemon pepper Lou <laughs> going to the strip club. And you had you had a couple of odd cases, and like Dan, Daniel House apparently had somebody in his room that he wasn't supposed to have. <laughs> yeah, just like those odd cases. But otherwise, I think that the, the, the NBA and also the WNBA will prosper. And I think not only will they prosper, but they will continue to learn from this stuff. And hopefully, like... I think a big question mark was when will we return to a form of normality in terms of the scheduling and the seasons and all that stuff. Like I think the fact that they were able to get most of the 72 games this year is a huge success mm-hmm. because they're going to be put right back on track so that next season they can start on a regular timeline and that will help battle injuries because Players won't have to turn on a dime into a whole new season because that was another big problem too. Like a lot of like the 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 separation between seasons was what seventy two days. Let's see. The season ended in um like October, right? And then we restarted in December. 
Yeah, like late December. About seventy, not even seventy. Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was in that ballpark. So it's like, yeah, it's about seventy something. You're right. You're right. It's about seventy something. Yeah, it's like, you know, you you just got finished a grueling because as, as as entertaining as it was, it was definitely grueling to like on their bodies. Like they're playing games every other day. Yeah, because because yeah. you know when in regular playoff seasons. Um, and you you have a couple days just for travel, but because everybody was there, it was every other day. Mm-hmm. And you, you're playing against the best in the world after basically a three month layoff for a couple months. You're you're in the trenches, and the games obviously are more physical because it's playoffs. The whistles are going to be you know turned down a little bit. Tone you tone down the whistles. So just having to turn around. I think next season, like. This gives me hope for what next season can be because this season has gone on so well, despite the scheduling changes and starting late and all that. So, yeah, that's 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 my take on it. No, that's a good take. I like that. This thing, I, I didn't even think about like, the hope for like future seasons. Like, because things will get better, you know, just in terms of uh, understanding the, the league and players understanding what they have to do. And then, like you know, people get when people get vaccinated and all that, you know, make it better for different, you know, less it doesn't decrease the chances of infection and all that just across the board. So yeah, definitely is interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. But yeah, that's it for today's episode of Game Time. And once again, this is Zach, co-hosted by Jamir. And thanks everyone tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Love the support. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at GameTime underscore podcast, on Twitter at GameTime underscore ZNJ, as well as Facebook at GameTime with ZNJ to stay up to date on further content. And to listen to future episodes, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. And we can't wait to talk more basketball on GameTime. Time.